welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here is this week's message. Sitting on our right or our left, we think they, I'm sure, could do a better job sharing about God's love than I could. And so I keep my mouth shut. Fearing the unknown or where a conversation about God might lead, we decide, you know, I think I'm just going to remain silent here and keep the conversation to something I feel more comfortable with or more self-assured with. We go into a situation perhaps with a coworker, and we think, maybe I could mention that God loves them. Maybe I could tell them about how God helped me through a difficult time in my life like they're experiencing right now. Uh, But I'm not sure what they'll think of me, or perhaps I'm not sure I might stumble over my words, or what if they ask me a question about God that I don't know how to answer, and that makes me really anxious, and so I'm just not going to go there. How many times do we do that? Simply because we fear the unknown. In our shame, do we ever hear God calling to us in the garden of our lives, where are you? And then find ourselves like Adam, our ancestor, responding to the God who made us. I heard you in the garden. Because I was naked, I was afraid, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. You see, nakedness is the uh, purest form of vulnerability, right? And so I feel like that when I hear those words, I resonate with it. I resonate with it in those times in my life where I feel the most vulnerable, the most anxious, the most afraid, and I hide. When I find myself hiding out, seeking to cover up my own feelings of inadequacy, comparing myself to others, doubting God's love for me. Yeah, sure, God can love the next person who's like, you know, super got it together. But does God really love me in the midst of my failures and my mistakes and my fumblings and my struggle to get out the door in the morning? You know, does God love me? When I realize that I am doing these things, when I'm doubting God's love for me, it's shame that makes me fear connection with God and then with others. And yet over the course of my life, I have heard the voice of God calling to me over and over again, I love you, I love you, inviting me to take that step of faith, to trust in God. To trust in his love for me, even when I feel the most inadequate. I responded to the grace of God in my life when I was seven years old, believing in Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Our United Methodist founder, John Wesley, he speaks of salvation in this way, and it's the most beautiful definition of salvation I have ever read. He said, what is salvation? It's a present thing. It might be extended to the entire work of God, from the first dawning of grace in the soul 
till it is consummated in glory. That's a beautiful representation to me of the work of salvation that God offers to each and every one of us in our lives. I was raised by godly parents in the church. I have an older brother and a younger sister, sorry, an older sister and a younger brother. See, there's one of my like fumblings. <laughs> um, and so I had a wonderful blessing of growing up in the faith. And when I was very young, I went on a mission trip to Jamaica. It was my very first mission trip, and I was seven years old at the time, so I was very little. And I have a very few specific memories of that mission trip. Now, I'm someone I love and have always loved to color. Simple, right? But when I went on that mission trip to Jamaica, we did like a vacation Bible school for the kids kind of thing. And um, we brought over these little packets of like four crowns so that each child that came to this vacation Bible school could get a set of crowns. And we gave them a set of crowns and like a couple of pages of um, coloring sheets that would describe the particular scripture lesson out of the Bible that we were talking about that day. And you would have thought we gave them the best Christmas present ever. And I remember thinking as a little kid, I have the box of like a million colors back at home and how ungrateful that I was for them compared to these kids that got little four little set of crowns and they, they were ecstatic. And God brought me to a realization in my life of a desire to be grateful to not take things for granted. I also in that experience in the several different mission trips that I went on that followed I became to realize how much God loves each and every one of us, of every culture, every nation, every tribe, every tongue. God loves us. Now, as I continued to grow and I ended up um, going into um, college, I, I kind of was expecting to take the path of um, climbing the corporate ladder. That was my kind of aspiration in life at that time. And so I went into college and I did a dual degree in business administration and computer information systems. And when I was entering into my junior year of college, I went on a mission trip to Brazil. And I was there for a month. And while I was there during a time of prayer, the Lord called me to be a full-time pastoral ministry. And I was like, okay, God, this is like 180. Do you realize who you're talking to? Uh, computers, business, I can sit in my little cubicle and be quiet all by myself, you know? And the idea of ever speaking up in front of people was terrifying to me. I am naturally an introvert, believe it or not. And so this is not, you know, the most comfortable scenario and never has been. And yet God called me here to this place. And see, I believe that God has directed my path. I have experienced all along the journey, as I have said yes to God and to his call upon my life, that God is the light unto my path. After graduating uh, from college and with computers and business, um, I ended up going into seminary. 
However, there's a little glitch there, like seminary costs a lot of money. And unlike becoming a medical doctor when you get out, because it's a four-year program normally, um, after you get out, you don't make a lot of money to be able to pay back all of those loans, you know? And so I was very nervous about this whole seminary experience because I wasn't sure how to provide for it financially. And so the very first semester I was going to go into seminary, I, I, I really was stepping out in faith of like, I don't know how this is going to work. And I had the experience of going to a retreat. There was this retreat where I knew the pastor had no connection with his church, and I knew the evangelist that he was bringing in to speak at this particular retreat. And I said, you know, I can't go for your three-day retreat. I can only make one day. And I know I don't know anyone that's there, and I know it's supposed to be a church retreat, but can I come anyway just for a day? And he said I could. And so I went for that one day, and while I was there during this retreat session, the evangelist asked everyone in the room to share a prayer request for themselves. You know, oftentimes we share prayer requests for someone else because that feels more comfortable. It feels less vulnerable. But he asked everybody to share a prayer request for themselves. And so I said, I want to go to seminary. I'm starting in a couple weeks. And I need money. And so pray that God would provide. And by the end of that retreat, three individuals who didn't know me, who were complete strangers, gave over $3,000 and completely funded my next semester of seminary. And it blew me away. And God just reminded me, he is my provider. That he will provide the way. And over the course of my seminary experience, he continued to do that in miraculous ways. For the faithfulness of God comes in big things and comes in small things. And I don't know about you, but the big things are amazing, but the small things almost blow me away even more. The ones where I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, no one could have known that except for God. I also met my husband at seminary. Uh, we met in Old Testament introduction class, and uh, he asked me on my first date there. Um, and uh, so... Old Testament introduction class was a great class. I can still tell you who the professor was. It was Dr. Sandy Richter. And most of the professors in the different classes, I can't, I can't remember all of them. I remember that class. Um, and so I met my husband. And while we were still there in seminary together, we got married. And uh, it was an amazing thing to um, journey through seminary together. My husband is also now a pastor. He's a pastor in the United Methodist Church, and he is serving uh, Sage Garden United Methodist in Kernersville. And a week after we graduated from seminary, I was feeling terrible during graduation. I felt like I could not even make it across the stage. And um, the week after, we found out I was pregnant with our first child. And uh, we were beyond ecstatic. It was incredible to find that out. And our son Joshua, our very first son, he was born January 7th, 2014. And he was born by emergency C-section. So uh, it was a bit of a difficult pregnancy and a difficult delivery. Um, he was born with a neurological migration condition that included diffuse lysencephaly, among other things. And after spending some time in the NICU, we were discharged straight into hospice care. 
we were told that our son would live somewhere between two to five months long. And our hearts were broken. Um, our dream of having a child and then suddenly feeling like it was being ripped away from us. And it was a very hard journey. And yet it was also a very beautiful one. I wouldn't trade those moments in time for anything. Our son Joshua was a very strong and courageous little boy. He had five to eight doctor visits each week. Some of them brought into the home, some of us that we would journey to. Numerous medical tests. He suffered with difficulty eating, difficulty breathing, seizures, um, all kinds of challenges. Uh, he wouldn't sleep for more than two hours stretch at a time ever for the entire five and a half months. Um, he just had so many different struggles and yet he was such a delightful little boy. I remember the first time that he looked at me and he smiled and I burst into tears because the doctors told us he would never reach that level of development, that he would never have that cognitive ability and yet he did and he smiled regularly at us as he grew. He died on June 26, 2014 at five and a half months old. He, every single moment that he lived was one that I treasure. Now, as you might imagine, after he died, I really struggled with my faith. Here I was, my very first year in my very first appointment as a pastor at two churches, and I didn't know where my faith in God stood. And I was really wrestling with it. And in the midst of that wrestling and that pain, I learned experientially that God is Emmanuel. Name of God meaning God with us. It's what I discovered in the midst of my suffering and my grief when our son died. What I had once known intellectually that I had studied in school and could have written a paper about suffering and evil in the world, I now felt personally. And I experienced that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. When Joshua died, I shouted at God, why, God, why? I had prayed for Joshua's healing. People around the world literally had joined us in prayer for our son's healing. I would gotten note upon note upon note of people praying in faith that our son would be healed. And I cried out, where was God in the midst of this? I was drawn beyond any speck of intellectual apathy. And I was brutally honest in my exploration of the character of God and who God is. What surprised me is that I as I wrestled with God over these questions of my heart and of my life, I actually felt closer to God. I actually felt the presence of God nearer than I have ever felt before in my entire life. And then it dawned on me. I thought about people when they wrestle physically. When you wrestle with somebody physically, if you've ever watched a wrestling match, they're like 
close, as close as can be. And close, so close sometimes it's a little bit embarrassing. Um, you know, the sweat, you know, rubbing. Um, but like, you, you're seeing person face to face, as close as you're going to get, you know? And I believe that that's what took place in my wrestling with God over the deepest questions of my heart and my life, is that as I wrestled with God as truthfully and honestly as I've ever done before, God drew near to me in my brokenheartedness. And in that, the loss of Joshua both has challenged and has strengthened my faith. Two weeks ago, Pastor Jeff Patterson and Pastor Clark Chilton, they preached on this question of evil and suffering in the world and what about the nature of character of God. I encourage you to go to the podcast that's out on the website for October 6th of their sermons if you missed that sermonette series. It was amazing. As stated by theologian Henry Nouwen, in this world in which we live, the question is not whether you have experienced loss, but rather how you live your losses. To fully grieve is to allow your losses to tear apart feelings of false security and safety and lead you to the painful truth of your brokenness and dependence upon God alone. We all have losses in our lives. Loss of job, loss of a marriage, loss of a deep friendship, loss of a child, loss of a spouse, loss of a parent. We all have losses in our life. The question is not whether we experience loss in our life. It's how will we live in the midst of those losses? How will we live? I found in my own grief the truth that set me free that I need God. I need God. Desperately. No longer could I even try to settle into some false security of going it alone. I found the reality that I need God. You see, deep within the probing questions of who is God in the midst of evil and suffering in our world rises one of the greatest challenges and one of the greatest opportunities we have for the sharing of our Christian faith. For in the midst of sin and evil and suffering and pain, our human hearts ultimately long for the redemption of God, His love in our lives. In June of 2019, I was ordained in the United Methodist Church, and I have been overwhelmed with the goodness of God in bringing me here to this place at Wesley Memorial United Methodist Church. I am delighted to be here, and it has been such a joy to get to minister as the pastor of pastoral care and of mission. It's my heart. I'm also so amazed at the goodness of God and how he has sustained me along this journey. 
Justin and I, my husband and I, we have two more beautiful children named Andrew and Esther. Andrew is three years old, about to be four, and Esther is one year old, about to be two. And if you've had a chance to see them running around the church at Wednesday night service or for dinner, they are full of energy and life. <laughs> And um, it's a delight to me to get to teach them of who God is and of God's love for them. Parenting definitely stretches me each and every day because there's no perfect manual for how to raise your children or how to teach them about God. Um, it's kind of um, this adventuresome journey. Um, and that's something I've discovered along the way is that we're not called to proclaim the gospel, God's testimony, simply when we feel comfortable, self-assured, in our own power, in our own strength. But rather, we're called to proclaim the testimony of God in the midst of our weaknesses. For in the midst of our weakness, the power of God is revealed. It's about the power of God at work in our lives that we're sharing because we believe in Jesus Christ and his love for us and his love for our neighbor. That perfect love casts out fear. For when you know you're loved, there's a courage that enables you to do things you would never ever be able to do otherwise. So that, like the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1, 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. This morning I've taken just a few brief moments to share portions of what God has done in my life and who he has who he is, how he's revealed himself to me at specific junctures in my life. I encourage you today and this upcoming week to think about and consider how God has revealed himself to you in your life. Perhaps write them down. Sometimes we forget all that God has done in our life and we start listing them out and reading them over. It's an amazing thing. And then take a moment, some point in this week, when you come across someone who might need encouragement, who might need a little bit of hope, share one of those ways that God has touched your life. One of those ways that he has said, I'm with you. And see what the Holy Spirit does in might and in power through your voice, speaking the truth of who God is and of his love to your coworker, to your neighbor, to your family member. Perhaps it is even calling up someone whom you haven't talked to in a long time. Encourage them with the love of God. I personally find great comfort in the scripture this morning from 1 Corinthians. You see, for if the apostle Paul himself, who wrote large portions of scripture in the Bible did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, of lofty words, but said that he comes with trembling and much fear, then surely you and I can too step out in fear and in much trembling. We may stumble over our words, and yet it is the work of the Holy Spirit in and through our lives that speaks. Thanks be to God.
Amen.